I'm Toby Kincaid. Let's be honest. Big oil runs the world. Our world runs on fossil fuels. And we've been burning fossil fuels and basing our entire civilization uh, for three centuries on coal, oil, natural gas, and shale oils. Will it always be so? Will the 21st century actually run like the 20th century did? Well, we'll see. This is an interesting shakeout. There's a transportation industrial revolution, which is going to occur very rapidly. And in part three, we've been kind of revisiting the, that critical moment, you know, 100 years ago, when the same shakeout for what would be the fuel of the future what was happening. The 1890s uh, saw an enormous opportunity for would the world be based on petroleum or were there other options? Well, imagine yourself as John D. Rockefeller. Here you are, it's 1892. Tesla comes on the scene with his great electricity. They light the Chicago World's Fair. Everybody is stunned. And Rockefeller, you know, drops a lung. Here he has this enormous empire built up. And we saw in part three how he was shaped by a near-death experience. I mean, he was very determined. He had it from Providence that he should, he should be the oil industry of the world in kerosene. He was going to light the world. It was a miracle. Well, that was the empire that he built. But when 1892, electricity comes, now he's in the fight of his life. The writing is on the wall. The electric light is just so many times more useful and more beneficial for people to use compared to even kerosene, which itself was a great leap over, you know, animal oils and plant oils in, in, a, in a lamp. So, John D. Rockefeller was at the crossroads. Now, we've seen the internal combustion engine come on the scene in the 1880s and in the 1890s, but at this time, it's not really big enough. Well, just at the moment of darkness, a new force comes on the scene. Now, here comes Rudolf Diesel. Now, Rudolf Diesel uh, did his amazing engine. He designed what was to revolutionize the world for industrial power. You know, the, the internal combustion engines of gasoline were just not powerful enough. The diesel engine, however, was a revolution because of its compression ignition. And this allowed you to, to, to burn any kind of oil that you could come across, a plant oil, an animal oil, and yes, even rock oil. So, at first, you might think, hey, this doesn't sound so bad for Rockefeller. He's got a new market opening up, and this new industrial uh, uh, compression engine uh, allows you now to put, uh, uh, you, you can really revolutionize the steam engine. You know, all the ships of the day were steam-powered with coal. Well, the diesel engine uh, was a huge leap forward because you couldn't really put gasoline engines on a ship. They were underpowered, for one thing. And also, because of the volatility of petrol, of gasoline, uh, you would get very dangerous air and gas mixtures in a confined space. And you had a huge explosion uh, danger. So, the diesel compression engine... When we get into now 1898, just at the dawn of the new century, the 20th century... And everything was wide open. Uh, 
you know, now we see the application of the diesel engine, you know, without that spark ignition, you don't, you know, at least compression ignition. Without the spark ignition, you don't need any of the electronics. It worked very well in wet environments. You know, Rudolf Diesel was really opening up the world. So Rockefeller should be pretty happy with this. Well, Rudolf Diesel was also an advocate, although he explored many different fuels, which made sense. He was even looking at powdered coal as a possible fuel, spent quite a bit of time on it uh, for the diesel engine. But as we move into now the dawn of the 20th century, so 1900, 1910, in that decade, we saw an explosion of use of the diesel engines. And this caught the eye of Rockefeller. You know, by 1910, the Norwegians were putting diesel engines on ships. Uh, they were then put on locomotives. So there was a, just a tremendous advantage. But Rudolf Diesel also was a man of the people. He was trying to build an engine that would revolutionize steam power, which he did, but also revolutionize the economics of energy. You know, he grew up when energy was scarce. It was very difficult in Europe to get access to oils and so forth. So Rudolf Diesel began to advocate very strongly in the beginning of the 20th century that, hey, my engine will work on any kind of oil. You could grow peanuts. Any farmer anywhere could grow peanuts and uh, squeeze the oil out and burn that oil. You could use olives. You could use sugar beets. There's any number of uh, crops and, 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 uh, that you can grow that will deliver lipids that you can make oils from and burn them directly without any processing. You just had to heat them enough so it would flow. So Rudolf Diesel was running around Europe, and this began to alarm John D. Rockefeller. He's like, now, wait a second here. People can grow their own fuel? No, 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 no. I don't think we'll be telling them that. You know, John D. Rockefeller was all about the market and making sure that you bought your fuels now from him. You know, there's a very famous quote from Rudolf Diesel. He said, uh, the use of vegetable oils for engine fuels may seem insignificant today, but such oils may become in the course of time as important as petroleum and coal tar products of the present time. Now, Rudolf Diesel was saying these things in 1912. So he's running around Europe and professing, hey, why don't you grow your own fuels, use my engine, and maybe we can all live together. Now, at this time, of course, now this is infuriating Rockefeller. And Rockefeller is a tough guy. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't really like what's going on. He's been going through this crisis the decade earlier, in the 1890s, with the rapid expansion of electricity taking all his market share for kerosene. Well, now that he's discovered the diesel engine, which he can f reformulate and, and derive a, a suitable, what he calls now diesel, which is kind of the ultimate insult in a way, because it, we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, but he can formulate all these fuels. It's got to be rock oil as the source of world fuels. That's Rockefeller's position. Okay, so Rudolf Diesel's running around uh, 1912, around Europe, saying, hey, we can do it with biofuels. And this made a big impression. A lot of these countries were having trouble with energy. This was a very credible and accessible source of fuel for the masses. 
So this was a huge butting of heads between the establishment of John D. Rockefeller and the promise and performance of Rudolf Diesel. Okay, so here we are in 1912. Well, within a year, Rudolf Diesel's dead. By, on September 29th, uh, 1913, on the, uh, the eve of World War I, uh, Rudolf Diesel is taking a ferry from Europe uh, to go to England to visit London, where he's going to sign some major deals. He had a, a whole package of technology transfer going to the Royal Navy to use his diesel engines on submarines. Now, this is just before World War I. Now, World War I, as we'll see in a moment, is a game changer, and it and it it ends these fuel wars once and for all. Because on September 29th in 1913, Rudolf Diesel disappears off that boat. Uh, who killed Rudolf Diesel? You know, some biographers will say, oh, it was a suicide. But I, I can tell you, there's no inventor in the world who would ever commit suicide. There's too much to live for. The, the joy of a design coming from your mind and your heart and translating through your hands into the real world, changing people's lives. You know, Rudolf Diesel was, was a hero. He was transforming economies all over the planet. And, uh, you know, some of these biographers, they say it's a suicide. No, it's not a suicide. They, they point the fact that he had, had large debts. You know, many industrialists had debts. So this isn't uncommon. He was about to sign a deal that would have made him, over the course of a decade, millions of pounds. So this important deal with, the, with, with England was, was major. He was on his way to it. Now, this is a man that didn't commit suicide. Now, other conspiracy theories would say, oh, well, it was the Germans. The Germans killed him. Even though he was of German heritage, he, they didn't want that technology transfer happening to England because they knew war was imminent. So there are those that would argue that the, uh, the Germans killed him to prevent that. But in my research, I don't believe that. Now, I believe they spied on him. They wanted to keep tabs on him. But the cat was out of the bag. I mean, whether he signed an agreement or not, the, the technology was available to be uh, copied. So in, in the real case of war, that was, in my view, not a, a compelling enough reason to kill a national hero. No. You want to know who killed him? Let's follow the money. Follow the money. John D. Rockefeller, through his henchmen, eliminated biofuels with one fell swoop. John D. Rockefeller murdered Rudolf Diesel. And with that one swoop and stroke, the entire future of the world as a biofuels was extinct. Once World War I erupted, then it was absolutely over for electricity and for biofuels in that moment in time. You know, John D. Rockefeller, once war broke out, you know, he, he was no stranger to selling to the government. The, the advantages of converting warships from coal-powered steam into petrol, into petroleum, into oil tankers, diesel tankers, to run diesel engines for propulsion, was absolutely a huge advantage. Now, Winston Churchill, he knew that. And he was very much involved with the, in the Royal Navy of <clears throat> going from uh, these coal-burning steam power plants 
uh, very rapidly into diesel-powered ships. A huge military advantage. Now, Rockefeller, he's no stranger to doing uh, business with the government in wartime. He knows this is extremely profitable. And with his graft and with his pressure, he was able to secure very large deals with the U.S. government. Now, you know, remember, uh, John D. Rockefeller made his first fortune uh, not in the kerosene business. He was a grocer. He supplied provisions to the Union Army and uh, made a fortune doing it. So it was that experience of working with governments and military branches of those governments that he was able to secure uh, enormous markets and markets that bought from him. Now the war was over. The battle of the fuels of the future for the 21st century has finished. There was one clear winner. That winner was rock oil, and specifically John D. Rockefeller.